She disappeared in 2001, but it would be a couple years before anybody knew what happened to 18-year-old Bridget Townsend. Without any leads in 2003, a man convicted of kidnapping and rape was about to be transferred to serve his two life sentences when he told authorities he knew where Bridget was. This is South Texas Crime Stories, the murder of Bridget Townsend. Bandera County is nestled in the hill country right next to the northwest corner of Bear County. Bandera County was also home to the Townsend family, Patricia and her three kids, two sons, and the baby of the family, Bridget. On January 14, 2001, Bridget was at her boyfriend Joe's home. Joe at the time was a drug dealer. In later testimony, Joe said he had last talked to Bridget that evening around 7 p.m. And when he got home at around midnight, her car and wallet were there, but she wasn't. He also noticed some of his money missing. He started calling friends and family looking for Bridget, but nobody had heard or seen from her. Joe even called a friend named Ramiro Gonzalez. Bridget had told Joe that Ramiro had stopped by earlier in the day looking for him, but Ramiro denied ever going by there. Joe eventually called police and Bridget was reported missing. She had just vanished and police had no leads as what could have possibly happened to her. In 2003, a 20-year-old man was convicted of raping and kidnapping a Bandera real estate agent. He was sentenced to two life sentences for the crime. While awaiting to be transferred to prison, he asked to speak to Sheriff James McMillan. That man was Ramiro Gonzalez, and he told the sheriff he knew what happened to Bridget Townsend, the teen who had now been missing for two years. Ramiro told the sheriff he knew where Bridget was because he had killed her. At first, Sheriff McMillan didn't believe him, but when Ramiro told him that he could take him to where her remains were, he took what he was telling him more seriously. Ramiro would eventually lead the sheriff and his deputies to a ranch in neighboring Medina County. They drove through the ranch to a remote hillside. They got off, then walked another hundred yards when Ramiro said, this is it. This is where he had left Bridget's body. He described the jewelry she was wearing and where she was standing when he had shot her. A brief search and authorities were able to find Bridget's remains and even her jewelry that Romero had described. It was during the drive back to jail that Romero told them what happened to Bridget the night of January 14, 2001. Romero said he had called his drug dealer Joe's home asking for cocaine. Bridget had answered and said Joe was working and wasn't home. Romero said he took advantage of the situation and decided to go to Joe's house to steal either drugs or money knowing Bridget was alone. When she answered the door, he forced his way in and started searching for drugs and money. He didn't find any drugs, but did find some money. That is when he noticed Bridget trying to call her boyfriend. He then pushed her down and tied her up. He put her in his truck and drove toward a ranch in Medina County. He would make one stop. It was to get his grandfather's 243 deer rifle. He then drove deep into the wooded area of the ranch. Ramiro said Bridget begged for her life and offered to give him money drugs, and sex. He said he then raped her, then walked her towards some brush and shot her. Afterwards, he said he went back to his grandparents' house and put the rifle back in his grandfather's truck. The rifle was later found at his grandfather's home and matched the description of the one Ramiro said he used. Ramiro was charged with capital murder and in 2006 was found guilty and sentenced to the death penalty. After sentencing, Patricia Townsend told the media, my little girl, can rest in peace now.
So, Lee, I don't know how much Bridget is actually resting in peace now because this case continues to be brought up. Talking with you and catching up on this case, it seems like one thing after another. This guy, you said it, he's got nine lives. It, it just seems like his facing sentencing keeps just getting pushed back. Yeah, so the first time we really heard from Ramiro was in 2016. He gave an interview to uh, our legendary reporter, Paul Venema, then talking about this case and why he confessed. And it was because he said he had heard about Bridget's mother and how hard it was, it was on her that she didn't know where her daughter was and that she deserved to know what happened to her. I just rolled my eyes. I'm just going to be honest. I, hearing that, okay, maybe then don't rape and kill her. Let's think of our actions before we do our actions. I think that would be the way to give her mom some closure, not take her little girl away. Exactly. And here's some some of the sound that he gave during that interview. No, it was her mother. Um, an individual had told me about the mother and it, it impacted me really, really bad. And I believe that she deserved to know. I have no qualms about dying, you know? It doesn't matter to me, you know? Um, it's just my way out of prison. I don't know about you, but him saying that he has no qualms about dying, it's just his way out of prison, then why keep fighting this execution? Exactly. If you, he's lying there. I mean, that's just, that's outright what it is. It's not him trying to like sugarcoat, it's lying. He does have qualms about dying. He does not want to die, yet he took someone else's life. All of the different ways he's pushed back this execution, it's just him not wanting to face the consequences for his own actions because honestly, he's a coward. Yeah, and that execution, it's been delayed. We've said that already. Since 2016, according to Bridget Townsend's brother, Ramiro has had six delays on his execution. That sixth delay happening last week, as we saw. I was supposed to go on Wednesday to see this execution get played out, um, talk about this process of you know, executions and how they take place here in Texas. We didn't get to do that because two days before he got a stay of execution. But this wasn't for what he had asked for. He wanted a delay because he wanted to donate a kidney. He wanted to give life because he said he had taken life away. So he wanted the opportunity to give life to somebody else. I'm all for repentance. I'm all for rehabilitation because that's what our prison system is for is to rehabilitate people so maybe this is him saying you know if I can do something to help someone else out since I did this to a young girl who didn't deserve it maybe I'm just skeptical because it kind of just seems like he spews garbage out of his mouth it's grasping I feel like they're grasping because before then his last previous scheduled execution date last year they got another stay because he wanted his spiritual advisor to be with him during the execution and put a hand on him as he was getting the lethal injection. So he, they had filed a religious rights complaint, which a couple weeks ago, a judge granted. They're like, yeah, you can have your spiritual advisor there. And didn't you say that was the first one in the state that this like had happened with? Yeah. So there was several uh, death row inmates who applied for this complaint last year, and they were waiting for this hearing to kind of happen to determine whether it would be allowed and they were going to allow him. So yeah, I would have been the first in the state where a spiritual advisor would be allowed to touch an inmate as they were getting the lethal injection. Um, so he had that already in the bag as a win. 
Um, but now something else has come up, which is going to further delay this case. So a forensic psychologist that had testified in the 2006 trial is now saying that testimony that he did was incorrect. It was false. The research that he was basing it off of was not very accurate. Okay. So I'm going to pull out my calculator here. We are in 2022. I'm not good at math. Minus 2006. 16 years. So for 16 years, he sat on that information, didn't say anything. And then it comes time for the execution date in two days. And he's like, I, I lied. It's, it's false. I'm sorry. And I think it's because this uh, psychologist is now under investigation in other cases as well, because he used that same research. The research he used was saying that because he had sexually assaulted, he was 80% positive that it would happen again. But because at the time, Ramiro was only 18 when he committed this crime, only interviewed him, didn't do any other analysis of him, only interviewed him once. And the research, he said, had no real citations of like being accurate or having anybody like to like say, like, yes, this is true. It just gets thrown out the window now, this testimony. So why this gets further delayed? Because it's going back to the trial courts in Medina County. So then what happens in this trial? Does he have a chance to to have a different sentencing? What, what happens from here? So the guilt part of the trial is done like he. He's guilty. He did this. But the sentencing is what can get overturned. So a hearing in Medina County could further one delay. But when they do have a hearing, they can reverse that sentencing to life in prison without the possibility of parole instead of the death penalty. We were talking before we started reporting about Bridget's family and wondering kind of what they have to say. And you've reached out a few times trying to see if they'd like to talk with you. But I think you said they were vocal on social media about this. Yeah, we've reached out to them a couple times trying to see if they wanted to. One of the brothers had started a petition to try to get this latest day of execution um, not to take place and appealing to the Board of Appeals to please don't give this guy another stay of, acu- of execution because look what he did to my sister. Um, they started a petition um, and they were you know, requesting, please call the governor. Please don't let this happen again. Of course, it did happen. They're not happy. You could tell the family is not happy. But again, this is being delayed. And it's got to bring up a lot. I mean, they're never able to just move on. They're always going to be brought back to what happened to their daughter or their sister. So this is constantly being replayed for them. Yeah, just there's not going to be a way for them to actually heal from this because it just the scab keeps getting ripped back open again. And I just wonder, you know, if it goes back to the sentencing phase, like you'd mentioned, if his death penalty sentence is overturned, it's just life in prison without the chance of parole. Is that going to be good enough for the family? I don't think so. Yeah. Concerning from what they were posting, they they want this execution to happen and it can still happen. Now there's another stay. Now that it's got to go back to the trial courts, if it does happen, it's going to be another few years from now. So he again waits on death row to see what happens. So in your experience covering these cases, and I'm going to defer to you because you're kind of our expert with this. Have you seen a death penalty case 
delayed this many times over and over and over and over again? Not that I'm familiar with. I, I can't say that I've done research, but there's been, you know, there's been other people on death row. I know cases have gotten overturned as far as the sentencing, but to have to say that there's been this many delays and there's always something that comes up. I mean, one of the delays, of course, was COVID. You know, they didn't have any executions in 2020. They resumed in 2021, but then that's when he filed the, the religious rights complaint. So then that got put back. But I mean, when Paul interviewed him in 2016, I think Paul interviewed him in the summer. He was scheduled at that point to be executed September of 2016. There was another stay for, for I don't know what reason there. So there's always something that seems to come up. And I'm not saying that I'm for the death penalty or against the death penalty. That's not for us to say. Um, we kind of want to just give you the details of what's going on in this case and what's happening. But right now, it is in favor of him and his supporters because he does have a lot of supporters out there all across the country. His spiritual advisor, another uh, advisor out of, I think it was Connecticut, who has you know written to the governor asking for his sentence to be overturned. He's got a lot of supporters on his side. And I think that's why he keeps getting some stays is because they keep bringing this case in the forefront and he now has some really good attorneys on his side. Yeah, I guess it'll be interesting to see what what happens next. So do you know when that sentencing is going to take place again? Because everything's being investigated with this previous forensic psychologist. Yeah, we really don't know. Nothing's been scheduled in Medina County. I'm sure they're having to reevaluate the case as well. Um, it was interesting. We spoke to Dr. John Delatore about this because he himself is a forensic psychologist and he himself has testified his cases. And he wasn't really happy about how this case has played out concerning that other forensic psychologist. Here's what he had to say. It doesn't look good. I, I mean, number one, he's a forensic psychiatrist. And, and I think that's probably part of the reason why he found himself in the position that he was in, because he didn't use any real actuarial measures. He didn't use any real scientific uh, assessments that would help him render the decision that he made when it seems like he just did all of these things just based on the interview, which was wholly and entirely incorrect. I, I don't think that it was the proper diagnosis. Now, I will agree that Mr. Gonzalez does present a, a risk to society given the age at which he had committed his offense, the convictions of his offense to include kidnapping. Uh, there are other things that I think placed him at a higher risk for uh, being a danger to society, but it certainly wasn't that he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder or a uh, diagnosable paraphilic disorder. I don't think any of that really was part of this case. And this psychiatrist really found himself in, 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 a, in a problematic area because he's giving all of these things to someone who's 18 years old. And that's a real problem because he hasn't, the, Mr. Gonzalez hasn't had an opportunity to really demonstrate the pathology that this doctor was saying that he, that he exhibited. So yeah, Dr. John, as you just heard, was not very, happy so this guy should never have testified to begin with and it kind of gives other forensic pathologists to testify a bad look yeah it's it's not i just i can't understand why you would make that testimony and then wait so long as to be like hey this wasn't right just that that should weigh on your conscience i don't know if it actually does but it should yeah so now that that other forensic psychologist has re-interviewed gonzalez i think he did it in june and is now himself saying his sentence should be overturned as well. 
Um, and I'm sure when this case gets gets heard again in Medina County, we will probably be there covering it. Um, this is one that's kind of taken a path no one has expected, and it's gotten now a lot of national attention. And it was because at first he was just asking to donate a kidney, which has since been denied. No kidney sent from you, sir. Yeah, and it was really interesting. I didn't realize because others, they had given examples of other men who were in jail or on death row who had given kidneys, but they had given kidneys to people they had matched to. So they gave an instance of a man who had given a kidney, but it was to his mother. But there's no, like, there's no person that has matched. Yeah, so the state said that they can't take an anonymous donation to give to somebody. He has to have had a match that someone he knows. So will they file another complaint asking for that again? We don't know. It seems like they're going to continue to file complaints on his behalf. They're going to pull every rabbit out of their hat that they can. Yeah, and it, it really does seem like they were grasping. And they finally got one that stuck. And now, like I said, it's a win for his his for him and for his his team to not be facing, at least for now, the death penalty. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of South Texas Crime Story. Stay tuned for next week. We take a look back at a trial we all watched together last summer and sent another man to death row.